welcome. Uh, if you are new with us, uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, if you're down in Smyrna, hello to you guys. It's good to see you guys, you again. Uh, I can't wait to get back with you, but I'm, I get to be up here this week. If you're online, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're so honored that you've spent some of your time with us today. Last week, we were in the we Randy started out our series called Hope is Here. And now we're in our second week, and, and last week, Randy really took a look at, at how, how Jesus brings hope to the weary, and how when we're tired and we're weary, Jesus will bring us hope. He wants to give us rest. He wants that. And today, specifically, um, we're going to look at how we can have hope when we feel broken. A lot of us feel broken. There's a lot of us that, that have gone through life just with this broken feeling. And, and, and a lot of us, some of us really understand what brokenness is. Some of you really get it. I got to be honest, I really understand what broken things are. If, if uh, my wife and I live with three boys and a 150-pound Great Dane, okay? It was a quarantine dog. It, I was talked into it, I swear, Okay? <laughs> Everything in our house is broken. There is not a Legos do not go together. There's just a huge pile. Everything is broken in our house. We, our remotes, every one of them is kept, kept together with duct tape on the back. That's how we keep the batteries in and everything in our house now is duct tape. We just duct tape it on. We, we, I, we got brand new patio furniture at the beginning of the year, all excited about it. Brand new patio, brand new. We set it out there. 15 minutes later, our dog had chewed a hole in it. 15 minutes. We love that dog. <laughs> but we, I know what brokenness is, and I, I know, you know, it's broken things. I mean, honestly, guys, when, when we go to, like, family functions, my wife and I take bets on how long you think that that thing is going to last. When, when we go to, like, Christmas and stuff, and, and grandparents give our kids something really nice, they're like, you think it'll make it home? No. Here, Grandma, just go ahead and throw it in the trash, because that's where it's going, right? Like, like we, just, we just have a, a lot of broken things. And, and here's the thing. Broken things can be replaced. They can all be replaced. They can be put back together. But our brokenness that we feel is real. And our brokenness feels like it can't be fixed. Sometimes we're so broken that we feel like it can never be put back together. That nobody understands it, that nobody gets it. And they understand the choices that we make matter, and our decisions have consequences. Uh, and we've all made mistakes, and we've all sinned, we've all fallen into sin. And when this happens, it feels like our lives just will break apart. And because of our choices, our relationships fall apart. Maybe we lose a job, our finances suffer, our marriages are strained because of the sin in our lives and because of the choices that we make. And, and when, we leave, when we have those things happen, it can make us feel hopeless and broken. And we feel abandoned by God and judged by the people around us. You feel that? That sometimes God isn't listening and the people around us are just judging us constantly. And we're looking for hope. And, and if you're looking for that today, I've got good news. And, and there's no worse feeling when our, when our sin is exposed to everyone because we feel guilt and we just feel trapped. But that's not the end of the story. 
Jesus puts our brokenness back together. If you've not heard that, Jesus wants to put our brokenness back together. He doesn't want us to stay there forever. That's how he he works. He wants to put our brokenness back together. And in John chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up. Uh, But there, there is a story of a woman who knew exactly what it meant to be broken. She was in desperate need of restoration. So just a little backstory. Jesus is traveling to the, he, he's traveling and he's at the temple and he's teaching at the temple and he's sitting down in this crowd and this mob of people bring this woman to his feet and throw this lady, woman at his feet. And let's read this in John 8. This is what happened. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So this woman... Jesus is minding his own business. He's teaching at the temple. And a mob comes up, dragging this lady through the streets. And they throw him at at his feet. And she is brought before him with the accusation that she has been caught in the act of adultery. She was cheating on her husband with someone else. And these men found her in the middle of the scandal. How embarrassing. How humiliating that must have been. She's bringing drug through town for everyone to see. And they're not quiet about it. You know she's embarrassed. You know she's humiliated. And she knew the consequences of her sin. You see, during that time, according to the law set forth by the Mosaic law, she was supposed to be stoned to death. In Leviticus 20, it talks about how she, if anyone is caught in the act of adultery, if they've proven, if they, they, they are cheat on their husband or wife, they are put to death. They are stoned to death. What that means is they would take huge rocks and they would throw them at them until they were dead. It was a horrible way to die. It was violent. And, and by the way, what, 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 what you may have missed here is what uh, Leviticus also says is both parties were, that was supposed to happen to. Notice the guy wasn't there because they were trying to trap her and they were trying to, to trick Jesus. So she's broken She has a broken marriage, a broken reputation. She's a broken woman, and she is now at rock bottom. She knows what's about to happen to her. She knows she is probably about to die, and there's nothing she can do about it. And here's the thing, on your outline, this is the first thing on on on, on your outline today, is that we all have experienced brokenness. No matter who you are, You've experienced brokenness. You're not alone. It may not be the same brokenness that this woman is going through, but she is broken, and every one of us has gone through some kind of brokenness. You're not alone in your brokenness. It feels like it, but you're not alone. Every one of us has gone through this. This woman is being used as a pawn in the Pharisees' plan to rid themselves of Jesus. That's their plan. They want to get rid of Jesus. And, he, and if he says to kill her, then he is going to be accused of not being compassionate. But if he says to let her go, then he's going to be accused of not following the law. So they think they have him. 
Her sin is being exploited in front of everyone in order to trap and harm Jesus. She's caught in the middle and her sin is on display for everyone to see. Everyone sees it. Everyone knows what she's done. Everyone is judging her. And when our sin, here's the thing. When our sin is just out there for everyone to see, it's one of the worst and best feelings that we can have. It's the worst because everyone knows the truth about you. And everyone knows what's going on inside. And everyone knows the, 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 the bad things about you. But it's also, on the other hand, it's kind of a huge relief just to know that, that people know. You ever lied to your parents? I mean, I know you guys haven't. I haven't. But you ever lied to you or had a kid lie to you or something like that? And, 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 and they, you have to keep that lie going maybe, okay? I, again, I know you guys haven't done that. I don't know when a home has ever done that, but I've heard of people doing this, okay? <laughs> I didn't. But, but if you've ever lied to someone and you have to keep that lie going, it's, it's one of the worst things if your parents find out, you're, especially my parents, if you found out that was me, I was lying to them. But it's also kind of relief. And so when our sin is found out, there's shame, but there's also relief. So here this woman is, she's caught in the act of adultery. She's laying before Jesus. She thinks she's about to die. And then Jesus does this in, 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 in verse six. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who had heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. I love that Jesus' response is, I'm just going to get in the ground and doodle a little bit. All right? He, he's just, he, they come, have you ever just like been all just like super worked up about something and somebody else is like not that worked up about it? It's very frustrating. <laughs> This <laughs> is extremely frustrating. And that's what's going on is, is these guys come up all just like, do you see what is going on right here? And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm just going to draw right here. And it's, it's kind of, I used to coach a t-ball team and uh, we'd be like, like, watch the ball, watch the ball. And they'd just be in the dirt the whole time. just da -da. And, and Jesus is just, he's, he's doodling in the ground. And I, I can't imagine how frustrating that must have been for those guys. And, and we... We don't know what he wrote. Um, there's speculation that maybe he wrote down the sins of the people that were there, or maybe the sins or the names of people or, or things like that. But the, the truth is we don't know what he wrote. The Bible doesn't say. And, and, and the truth is it really doesn't matter what he wrote. But they push him for an answer. They push him for an answer. Jesus stands up and he tells them they're free to proceed, but any one of them who has not sinned gets to throw the first stone. Mic drop. He's like, boom. All right? They thought they had him. And Jesus is one step ahead of them. What he does is he shows her grace. And for the first time, this woman has hope. She feels like there's hope for her. Jesus is showing her grace. Jesus is trying to show us. And what we need to understand is that the church is a place for hope. The church is a place for hope. 
The church is supposed to be a place where grace is freely given. If you're new to to church, to either this church or just church in general, I I want you to find hope here. Whether you're you're at one of our campuses or maybe you're online right now or wherever you're at, I I want you to find, the staff here, we want you to find hope here. That's the goal. The church is the place for us to find hope. And... To be honest, we don't always get it right. Sometimes churches mess up. I mean, I know, I know that's surprising, but, but, but we, we mess up. But you should understand that every person in the church has messed up. The church is full of people who have sinned. The church is full of people who have messed up. And the church should be able to extend grace and forgiveness because we're full of broken people. The church is full of broken people. Every person here has been broken. And we're full, we've messed up. We've all sinned. See, sin doesn't just affect you. It affects the people around you. And we should be helping one another learn how to live under the grace of God together. That's what the church is for. We are here together to help each other learn how to live under the grace of God. With all of our messed up, Ness. Is that a word? Messed upness? All right. With all of our messes up, whatever. Um, but we, but we, we have, that's, that's why we're here. Sin has a way to come, of coming to the surface. And a lot of times it has collateral damage and it touches other people. Sin will destroy families. It will destroy relationships. But when the church responds in the correct way, those relationships can be healed. I've seen it. I've been, I've worked in churches for over 20 years. I've seen relationships restored. I've seen families get back together. I've seen marriages get back together. I've seen that happen when the church's response in the right way. When we as Christians respond in the right way, God can restore us. So when Jesus finally answers them, he's making, a, he's making a point. He's teaching this group of religious leaders a lesson about grace. They couldn't throw a stone because every one of them had also broken the law. They had forgotten about their own sin. They had forgotten that they were also sinners and that they also needed Jesus. They didn't know that. These were the religious leaders of the time. These were supposed to be the church leaders. And here they are. They weren't offering hope. They weren't offering hope to this woman. And and I don't know, I I don't know your situation. If you've ever been hurt by by the church or by Christians, you know, I'd like to say I'm sorry. that's, That's not God's plan. But you need to understand that the church is full of imperfect people and sometimes we mess up. And, 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 and we, you need to understand that, that that's not God's plan. Every one of us is messed up. There are no perfect people here. We're all saved by grapes. Grace. Grapes? Grace. Grace. We'll edit that out. Don't worry. Okay? Just rewind. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> so I hope... <laughs> 
All right, I'm going to start over now. No. Um, so, so, the, so, the, so we are all saved by grace, okay? And I hope that you're able to find that healingness. I hope that you're able to find uh, the, the healing that Jesus provides in the church and, and through those, having other Christians around you. Because this wasn't offered to, to, to the woman here. So these men, one by one, they drop their stones, they go home, first the older men and then the younger. Um, and and the, as the dust settles, it's only Jesus and the woman left. In verse 10, it says, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Just imagine, this woman just went from thinking she was about to die to, to, to talking with Jesus and then just being, giving her all this compassion and love. And for the first time, she feels hope. She feels that, that, that there, there's something good. Jesus is the only one who doesn't condemn her for her mistakes. He's the only one who doesn't want to punish her for her sin. Instead, Jesus offers grace and he shows her true love. You need to understand something, okay? I really want you to understand this. Is that the truest thing about you is that you are loved by God. He loves you. Jesus loved this woman, okay? Jesus loves every one of us. We are, we are loved by God. And God does not determine your value based on how well you perform and how much money you make and what kind of job you have. God does not decide your worth based on your reputation and who your friends are and what kind of car you have and how big your house are. Is God calls you valuable because he made you. You are valuable because God made you. He made you valuable. And he loves you. And there's hope. And your hope is found in a God who loves you just the way you are, but loves you too much to leave you that way. It makes sense? God loves us the way we are, but he doesn't want us to stay this way. I want to be very clear about something. Jesus is not okay with this woman's sin. He is not okay with it. In fact, the last words he speaks to her are, go and sin no more. Jesus cares about how we live our lives. He cares about it. He cares about the sin in our lives. He cares about the decisions we make that leave us broken. He wants us to, 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 to be healed, to have hope. Jesus wants to expose the sin in our lives, but not for the same reasons as the religious leaders in this story. He wants to expose our lives to change, to our sin to change us. Uh, there's a pastor named Stephen Furtick. He says this, uh, he's, a, he's a pastor um, at, a, at a church um, in another state. And, and one of the things that he says is that God exposes sin not to shame us, but to change us. These men were exposing her sin to shame her and to trap Jesus. Jesus exposes it for a different reason. 
He wants to change her. He wants to change us. He wants to make us whole. He wants to take the broken pieces and he wants to put them back together. And, and that's what God does is God puts the broken pieces back together. I've got good news for you. If, if you find yourself broken today, if you feel like you're surrounded by people who only want to throw stones, Jesus meets you in that place and there's hope for you. There's hope for us. There's hope for us. There's hope for you that, that, that we have a savior. And he meets us there. He's, he's, he's meeting this woman there and he's meeting us there in, in our sin. But here's the thing. We have a choice to make. And it's going to determine the future and what you'll live to do. You can choose to make no changes and continue your current path. And, and, and it just seems hopeless. The other option is, is to confess your sin, receive his forgiveness, and walk in a new life with a Savior who brings hope. When we confess our sin and we're baptized in Christ, then we are found in him. We are made new. Jesus wants to make us new. He wants us to be new. He, wants, he doesn't want us to stay in the hopelessness that we're in. For, uh, Paul writes about this to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. What Paul is reminding the Corinthian church is that their past doesn't matter. Jesus is making them new. That same promise is available to us. Our past doesn't matter. Jesus wants to make us new. He wants us to make, it, to make us a new creation. He offers that promise to you. We are made new. The old ways of living become things of the past. So as we close today, I want you to understand that, that the church is nothing more than a gathering point for a whole bunch of sinners who are just trying to figure out how to live this new life. That's what the church is here for. We're here to figure this thing out together. And this morning, I want to invite you with all your broken pieces and everything that you have to, to, to think about, to believe that God can make something beautiful out of your life once again. No matter how bad you feel you're broken, how, how, how rock bottom you are, God can make everything new. He can make you new. He can start over again. And I really want you to, to consider just trusting the community that he's placed you within, trusting the church to offer hope to one another and live out this wonderful, grace-filled life together. That's what we're here for. If you're new to church, you're new to either Lakeshore or just church in general, we're here to do this together. We're here to live this grace-filled life together. And, 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 we, and, and, and God has a plan for you, and he wants to make your life new. But we have to be willing to make that choice on our own. He's not going to make it for us. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful. We're so blessed. We, we, that we love you so much, and we just are, are so thankful that, that you have given us hope that you've given us a way to change our life, a way to change 
the, the sin that we have. And Father, I am so, so thankful for the church uh, that you've given us this place that we can live out this life together. And Father, I just pray that if there's anyone here that, that is considering starting a relationship with you, that they would understand that you bring hope and you bring a new life. In your name we pray, amen.